golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going before the drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G., Along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and Will Perry. Hello, hello, gang. Good evening, Holly. Good evening, Will. How are you guys? Great to be here as always. All right. And uh, hey, this is big one. The TPC, the Players' Championship right up the road. The fifth major. Ponte Vedra. And uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have some great guests as always. And we're going to waste no time and go straight up to the players. And Bob Herrick from ESPN.com in the Media Center. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, we are pumped up and ready for uh, the next four days. What's happening up there? Well, we're getting ready to go. You know, all the talk is over with and uh gonna get started bright and early in the morning looks like it's gonna be a warm weekend um which uh you know i think uh can have some uh some some effects on guys as it goes on and obviously the ball flies farther uh but uh it sounds like we're gonna avoid rain or at least there's not gonna be too much and uh should make for a really good weekend first off i want to Talk a minute about John Hun and his big victory at the Wells Fargo. Uh, after straight eight straight missed cuts, Bob, he comes out the winner on Sunday. Were Were you there? And your thoughts on John Hun's win? Yeah, I was there, and I mean, he hadn't broken seventy since since uh, early early February. Um, and uh, that can kind of wear on these guys a little bit. Eight straight cuts, no money. You start to question yourself. And then there he is on the leaderboard uh, with some pretty big names, you know, breathing down his neck. Phil, Rory, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler had the third-round lead. Uh, but it was uh, Han who prevailed and then actually won in a playoff over another guy who, um, you know, hasn't done a whole lot, uh, Roberto Castro. So uh, it was a great win for him, and uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, you know it's just a funny game that way how how you could struggle so much and then just go from that to winning uh, and uh, changes everything for him obviously. If if anybody is listening, he gave just some terrific terrific answers uh, or uh, comments in his press conference. You know. Uh, I just found him to be a very thoughtful uh, guy. And, you know, just some of the the honest comments that he made, 
in particular, I think someone asked, I think it was you saying eight missed cuts, you know, and now you're now you're raising the trophy. Uh, And he said, you know, you start thinking about doing other things. He said, you know, are you good? Am I good enough? Do I belong out here? And you really got a peek inside a player's mind. And a guy like this who, I mean, he was already a winner on the PGA Tour. And it just shows, as, as we talk every week, Bob, you know, they always say, the guys, how difficult it is to win on the tour and how you just want to put yourself in that place on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you know, he also he just showed a little bit of the fragile nature of, of, of the game and some of these guys, you know. They're not always confident and striping it and making everything and making it look easy, you know. Uh, there, there are some low moments for, for some of these guys. You know, we, we tend to focus on the guys doing the best and don't always look at the guys that are, that are struggling. And, and James Hahn has always been sort of a, uh, a good talker. I mean, when, I remember when he won. Um, he won last year in LA, and he had this he had this great story afterward about um, how you know the idea of winning a million dollars. You know, the first prize is over a million. You know, just kind of blew him away. And he said, "I just really want to, you know, actually physically take the check to the bank to deposit it and see what they see what the look on their face is." I love like, it. What are they going to think when this guy walks in there with his check and looks at me and wonders who who the heck is this guy? I thought that was such a great comment. I mean, it's such a you know we've we've kind of become numb to you know private planes and luxury homes and vacations and great cars that these guys have, but you know it isn't that way for all of them. You know that's the select few. Uh, a guy like James Hahn was struggling out there for a long time. You know, he, he quit the game for a while to go back to work so he could make some money. So the idea of making a million dollars, obviously as huge as that is to us, we can't relate to it maybe. Well, even he couldn't relate to it. And I thought that was a great answer. And, and as you mentioned, he's just, uh, you know, uh, he, he's just so insightful and a great quote. It was a good, it was a good win for golf and it'd be great to see him uh, continue to succeed. Well, this is the first time Jordan Spieth will be teeing it up since the Masters. Obviously, a, a lot of uh, spotlight on Jordan. Uh, what did he have to say today in the press conference that struck you? Yeah, I mean, he got a lot of questions about the Masters today, and I think he's already a little bit over it. Like, he sort of feels like, hey, I'm over it. I moved by it quickly. But, of course, you know, nobody's really seen him until last week, and now here this is his first tournament since the Masters. And, you know, unfortunately, that's going to just be part of his story. Uh, that's, you know, you, 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 you lose a five-shot lead on the back nine, you do what he did, and that's, that's going to be part of your, your legacy just like all the great stuff. And, I mean, I think no matter what happens going forward, there will always be, but, yet, but, but he also could have won another one, you know. So, my guess is, is he wants to get right back in the hunt and, and, and try to get that behind him as quickly as he can, have some success. Uh, but, um, you know, whether he does here or not this week, I, I'm not so sure that, that, that it's because of the Masters. You know, I, I think that's golf. I mean, he did miss the cut here last year uh, after he had won the Masters. And, you know, maybe he's got some extra motivation to try to play well here, but this is also the first of four straight tournaments for him. 
Uh, you know, he's, he's playing the two Texas events, then the Memorial, then a week off in the U.S. Open. It's, gonna, it's really busy for Jordan from here on out. So he took what he felt was a, a needed break. He said that he feels like it's a, a new season starting now. And uh, I think he's ready to, you know, get back out there in the heat of competition. It's a great way to look at it, actually. You know, I mean, uh, the four weeks he was off is the longest he's been off since since he played the first tournament in January. From the from the Hero Tournament in the Bahamas to the Tournament of Champions, which was a, a mini off season. So now he had another mini off season, which is a great way to look at it because. He's really going to have no downtime now until after the Ryder Cup. If you think about it, after uh, those tournaments I just mentioned, the U.S. Open a week off, the Bridgestone a uh, week off, the British Open a week off, the PGA week off, Olympics week off, then uh, it'll be t- uh, three FedEx Cup playoff events in a row, week off, uh, Tour Championship, and Ryder Cup. I mean, no more than a week off now and a lot of golf mixed in between now and October. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a grind for these guys, and I don't blame any of them for taking that downtime there because unless they miss cuts or, or pull out of an event that, they, that, that we would all expect them to play, it's going to be very busy from here on out. Well, another guy taking a little break on that Bahamas trip was Ricky Fowler, the defending champion and um, who could forget that finish last year by Ricky? Eagle birdie birdie on 16, 17, 18, and then birdies back-to-back on 17 in the playoffs to win. Uh, you know, certainly I think for a lot of guys this feels like the fifth major. I think it, it looked like Ricky winning a major last year, the way he finished at TPC. Uh, what, you know, what do you think? think his chances are and also in terms of looking at Ricky now breaking through to win his first major yeah I mean that was a huge win for him last year and whether or not it's a major you know just whether it's called a major uh, it was a big win and you know obviously the biggest outside of the majors and you know it kind of kicked down a door for him you know he hadn't won in three years and people were sort of wondering you know um, is there a lot of hype there and not enough substance? Uh, and, you know, what did he do? He, he ended up going on. He won the Scottish Open. He won the Deutsche Bank Championship uh, in the playoffs. Um, actually, you know, had a shot at the whole FedEx Cup if he could have won the Tour Championship. And then he won, uh, he won in Abu Dhabi earlier this year. And he had a great chance to win a couple weeks later in Phoenix and didn't. Obviously, he was the third-round leader last week and had a poor final round. Uh, but, you know, fifth in the world, obviously the next logical step is for him to win a major. He was top five in all the majors two years ago. Uh, but, but you know, I think just aside from that, just to win. I mean, to try to pile up more wins. Uh, he had four wins in the last year. That's, um, you know, short of Jordan and Jason Day. Uh, that's uh, that's right there. It's uh, It's impressive stuff. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it going. You know, defending champions have not done all that well as the players. And uh, my guess is he's got a little motivation after Sunday. I, you know, he, he kind of let one get away there. Around a 72, he was in the playoff. He shoots 71, he wins. And uh, so I, I have a feeling he'll, he's going to be wanting to get after it here this week. 
Yeah, and it may be a good thing uh, that he didn't win. You know, maybe maybe that gives him a a little extra uh, perspective and mojo. You know, coming into this this week or not feeling like he's uh, you know fighting the back to back. But certainly, I think that would be uh, you know he's he's got to have awful good vibrations after what he did last year. No question. The way he played the 17th hole is absolutely surreal. The birdie at five of the six times he played it, three of the four rounds, and then twice in the playoff. Uh, you know, it's um, I, I don't care how short the hole is or, or if the wind's not blowing or what the circumstances are. There's enough guys who hit it in the water there every year or who, who, you know, who don't get it close to the pin and three-putt. I mean, that, was, that in itself was incredibly impressive, uh, not to mention, obviously, winning the tournament. Well, we haven't even mentioned Rory yet, Bob, or uh, the likes of some other uh, people that we would expect to see on the leaderboard. Jason Day, who's saying he is more prepared than ever. Danny Willett coming back after his big win at the Masters. Uh, you know, who do you who do you have your eye on? This course is known to be, you know, a, a DPC really doesn't favor any particular style game. Uh, you know, it's who. Who do you think wants to wants this win more than anything? Is it somebody like Roy who kind of needs to get his game back on track a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you you said it. It's really hard to predict because of the course. It's just not a course that uh, that you can say, oh yeah, those guys are going to play well there. Um, uh, it, it just you know, and and Roy has even admitted that it doesn't suit his style that much, and it's that's why it frustrated him early on. Um, but I kind of like Rory, Rory's chances. You know, he, after he playing here the first three times, he missed the cut each time. Now he's been in the top ten each time. He was, he, shuts, uh, he was eighth last year. And he's played the back nine really well, like very, very much under par in those events. He's just not had a g- good front nine. And if he can figure out that front side, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I think Roy played some pretty good golf last week. It was his first tournament since the Masters, and he was a little bit rusty, and he had a couple of blips. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't surprise to see him up there. I mean, I, I think um, you know he's motivated to get a win. Uh, he hasn't won this year. Um, some in some ways, he's been a little bit out of the discussion. And um, uh, so you know, even though this has been a place that you know it's probably not his favorite course or venue. But I think, uh, you know, obviously winning anywhere at this point would be huge for him. Absolutely. Well, Bob, as always, we appreciate you spending a little time with us. And um, who's, who's going to be your pick on Sunday? I went with Henrik Stenson, who has uh, yeah. been a little under the radar of late also, but still ranked seventh in the world and, you know, playing good golf, just not winning. And, um, you know, he won here in 09 and, uh, why can't he do it again? I think I just sort of think he's he's due, and uh, so that's why I went with him. But you know, I, I don't know that I'd bet any money on that pick. It's uh, it's a tough, tough tournament to, to handicap. It sure is. Well, we'll we'll throw a few darts later on in the show to to make our picks. But Bob, as always, Bob Harrigan, dot com. Check thanks. him out. Thanks so much. Thanks, Holly. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. Lots of golf talk coming up live from the players. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. 
Blue. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the Fairways I- I4, Ultimate I4. I'm a little tongue-tied because I've been on all day on the highway. <laughs> Drove up from Naples this morning, didn't you? Yes, from Naples. I had a little business down there and spent a little time with Bobby Clampett at his Impact Golf Academy That's down cool. there. So uh, we had uh, we had a good, good visit. And... Um, we are talking the players. I'm here with Kevin Sternett and Will Perry. Make sure to like us at the Golf Insiders. Tweet us at the Golf Insiders. We are wired up and uh, wanting to hear from you. And we're going to waste no more time because we've got so much to get to tonight. And as always, before a big championship, and as we know, many of the tour players consider the players their fifth major, certainly has had many finishes that uh, make us feel like it's a major, and in particular, that infamous 17-hole, the Island Green, which uh, takes the nerves of steel to uh, land a dart on that hole. And we've got a special guest tonight who is going to uh, break down number 17 from the mental side of things. It's great to have... Dr. Dan Vasagarian on the phone. I am sorry, Dr. Dan B. That's what I'm going to call you. Uh, your name is almost as hard to pronounce as mine and, and spell, but it's a pleasure to have Dr. Dan from uh, Elite. Is it Elite Golf Sports? It's, it's Elite Performance Solutions. We're based out of the uh, Jacksonville area. All right, Dr. Dan. Well, you not only are a mental conditioning coach, I know you work with a lot of tour players as well as uh, leading junior players and collegiate players. But you were a former caddy at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, I I had my uh, education in the classroom, and I also had a formidable education at TPC Sawgrass, which you could have considered my uh, laboratory for about four years, seeing all types of players of all types of levels face not only number 17, but a lot of the other famous and challenging holes out there. Well, Ricky said about uh, TPC Sawgrass that beating the best players at uh, the time and conquering one of the toughest courses is really what uh, this championship represents. And we saw a display like nothing else last year with Ricky uh, making five birdies, three in the final round, two in sudden death on what is probably considered one of the toughest holes in golf. So uh, break this down for us, and I know you just put posted a blog on the Golf Insiders site, thegolfinsiders.com, but tell us, uh, you know, what, what, what's the key to challenging a course like this in your mind when the pressure's on? Well, you know what I think is, is first and foremost is it's the tournament for the players, so it really holds a place very near and dear to their hearts. And not only is it considered the fifth major by – the PGA Tour, but also by the players for sure. So you have have that type of uh, pressure that comes with it. But then you also have a course that was designed by Pete Dye and started in 1982 to really challenge every aspect of the players. I mean, he wanted it to be short holes, long holes, undulated greens. Um, if you notice that the, the course, one hole go north, one, the next hole go south. So he didn't really want wind going in one direction. So I think 17 is just the paramount of all of those things put together for the 71st hole of, of the tournament. And it's only a 130-yard 
hole or maybe 140 yards max. But when you're standing up there, whether it's Thursday or Sunday, it looks like a little bit of a postage stamp green. So that puts the so when you take all that into account, there's a, a lot of pressure. And I mean, even going back in history to somebody like Paul Azinger saying that you you're constantly thinking about that hole. You're thinking about it day and night, and that sometimes you're standing up over that hole and you're afraid to to take the club back. But you know, there's a lot of mental will there that has helped players like Ricky or or Azinger. Not only Paul was able to ace that hole, but he's only the only player in history to have four consecutive birdies on that hole from Thursday through. Um, Sunday. So there is definitely a mental component to it to being able to use the pressure to your advantage, to being able to 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 feel the fear and do it anyway. Now, as a caddy out there, I'm sure you've played this hole many, many, many times, and I'm sure that you've probably hit the green every single time, correct? <laughs> you know what? I have a pretty good record at uh, at number 17. And just like the, I think they asked Jack Nicholas one time way back in the day, did you ever did you ever miss a short putt? He goes, I've never missed a short putt. So selective memory is one of our best friends. So I have a great track record on number 17. You know what I think was remarkable about Ricky last year, uh, going back, I mean, he, he appeared to be taking dead aim at the pin, even going into the playoff. He even hit that one shot that came over the pin, and he, you know, he stuck it on the right-hand side, which, you know, normally is, is dead man's zone, right? Especially yeah, I mean, in no, that I, I situation. Just, I just saw a, um, a very recent interview Ricky did right after winning the Players' Championship. And, and one of the remarkable things was is that he was, he was taking aim actually at the, the TV towers towards the, towards the back of the green. And it was just a, his aiming spot point for the majority of Sunday was just a little bit less depending on what the, what the wind did. So he was, he was, in essence, having a very uh, aggressive target, but one that he knew if he missed it a little bit, I'm guessing, it would still turn out to be majestic for him. Yeah, the, you know, I'm a, I'm a drawer of the ball. I think Ricky's a drawer of the ball as well. Now, I would probably have to start it. My aiming point would be the tree out in the middle of the water, and I'd have to <laughs> draw it back in. But, um, you know, that flag was, I'm thinking, like, four paces, maybe five paces from the right edge, and he stuck it probably about two paces from the right edge. So if he draws the ball, I mean, I don't know where the TV or TV uh, tower is in relation to the flag at that point, but, um, I mean, to stick it to the right of the flag in a playoff is absolutely mind-numbing to myself who draws the ball. I'd have to – as crazy. It was a surreal, surreal was- shot. It was just a fan. That whole Sunday was just a fantastic exhibition by Ricky. I believe you know what it took to get into that playoff, having four birdies and an eagle the last six holes or so, just just to, to be the leader in the clubhouse took took a lot of wherewithal. So, you know, I, I think when you're playing golf at at that level, it, it's it's really being your own best friend and your own best caddy and and talking to yourself in a way that, that really gives you confidence and makes you makes you boast when when you're down the stretch, especially on a course like Sawgrass. Well, what I also think is interesting in the blog that you wrote, um, it's about, you know, how you use the adrenaline. And, and, you know, it's interesting because this week, and I've heard players say this before, but in particular uh, Jordan Spieth talking about, you know, he's excited and can't wait to get back out there and compete and feel those 
you know, that little bit of nervousness. And, uh, you know, I think for Jordan, it's it's a positive. You know, it's a thing that, you know, gets him pumped up and, and ready to, you know, feel the pressure and, and get in that winning mode. Absolutely. I mean, every single player on the on the PGA Tour and, and Web.com Tour and all, all the other high-level tours are competitors, and they're they're playing to win, and they're they're playing to really compete against the field. So they all they all feel pressure, but the but they all also have learned throughout, you know, whether it's junior golf or college golf, to be able to embrace those feelings and use them to their advantage. And it, it, I think one of the things that I do and all the other great mental trainers on, on tour and working with, with junior golfers is, is, is helping them develop that skill. A lot of people think that you're either, you're either born with it or you're not. And that's really the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, some people have it a little bit better than others, but it, it, mental strength, mental wherewithal is definitely a skill just like the golf swing or just like being able to put on muscle mass in the gym. It's something that can be learned and it's something that you have to work on each and every day. I mean, I think even looking at Jordan, Jordan Spieth at the Masters, you know, that you have a choice that you're going to have to make at some point of, am I going to let this kind of keep me down or am I going to do what, whatever it takes to talk to myself in a way and, and find the silver lining? And it's not always easy, but that's what makes these guys the best players in the world. A- absolutely. And as we know, there's so, so many of them have great ball striking uh, any one of them can win <laughs> any Sunday, which I think was clear by the victor of the Wells Fargo this past weekend. And uh, it's it's all about who is you know mentally on, uh, and it's certainly going to uh, be an interesting interesting week at the TBC. Doctor Dan V, it's a pleasure to have you on. We hope to have you on some more because the mental side of the game is, you know, what really is the difference in who raises the crystal on Sunday. Dr. Dan V, check him out, drdanv.com. Thanks so much for spending some time with the Golf Insiders. Thank you so much. You're listening to 96.9 The Game. We've got lots more golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. It'd be good to just make We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club, Will Perry, our social media giant, Wow, I'm a giant this week. And uh, we're going to waste no time to go to one of the giants in our industry. He is the man that knows more about the TPC and the players, uh, based right there in Ponte Vedra, longtime golf scribe for the Times Union in Jacksonville, Florida, one of our favorites, Gary Smits, on the line from the Media Center. Hello, my friend. Well, I'm not sure I can live up to all that. Well, hey, I know you're a busy guy, and you're spending a few minutes with us, and, and we do darn appreciate it. Uh, well, no problem. Enjoy being on. Tell us what is going on. Uh, we've been talking a little bit, of course, about Ricky and Jordan and uh, 
you know, Jason Day and, you know, this we could we don't have enough time to go through all the potential contenders at TPC Sawgrass just because, as we've talked in the past, Gary, it's a a course that uh, really doesn't necessarily favor any particular style of golf. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what's what's going on up there? Who's on your radar? And and tell us a little bit about, you know, how the course is looking. They Mm -hmm. said said earlier it was a little soft, but we know it's going to be a hot weekend those greens are going to get fast uh give us give us the inside scoop well you know you go to a tournament like the masters and you can you can eliminate a lot of people right off you know the bombers are going to have the advantage uh the guys who hit the right handers at a high draw the left handers like phil are going to hit a high fade they're going to have the edge and everything but when you come to a tournament like this uh it's a tournament that that uh fred funk and calvin pete one. It's also a tournament that Phil Mickelson of Tiger Woods and Adam Scott have won. So it, it, it the dry, and the thing is, the driving distance doesn't necessarily matter because uh, everybody's got to throttle back. There, are, uh, Ricky Fowler yesterday estimated that he's going to probably he'll hit driver on five holes, depending on the wind and things like that and everything. So you just can't unleash and and bomb it. And uh, it's it's the guy who hits greens wins this golf tournament. The guy who hits the most greens by and large, and makes a few of the putts. Uh, there was a there were two years back-to-back, 2005-2006, where the guy the guys who won, Fred Funk and Stephen Ames, were, were first in greens and regulation. Sergio did that in 2008. Uh, Ricky kind of flipped the script a little bit. He didn't hit very many greens, but, you know, the putting was obviously just absolutely magic, including that last day and everything. So that's, that's the thing. And there's 100, see, the 144 guys in here. This is why this is the, the uh, you know the best field because it's all tournament winners since last year's players. It's also the guys who are the top 125 on the FedEx Cup points list. It's the guys who are top 50 in the world. And then if you still have spots in the tournament, you go by this year's FedEx Cup points list. So everybody in this field has been playing pretty okay for the last two years, at the very least. So my Maybe question, not the last month, but every single one of them. It recently have been playing pretty good, so every single one of them are a threat to win. And if anybody ever doubts that, you, all you have to do is point to Craig Perks in 2002 and point to Kevin Kisner, a Players' Championship rookie last year who had never won, who had a history of you know being an also-ran. And he is two putts on 18, missed by a combined inch and a half from, from beating Ricky Fowler. So, so it's, my question it's to fun. you is... It's fun. It's 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 a fun tournament in that regard. Boy, it's really hard to pick a winner. <laughs> so my question to you is: Out of all the first time entrants this this year, who are you looking at mostly? Like you know, Kevin Kistner, I think it was his first time last year. Played really well. Got into mm-hmm. the playoff. And how about my compadre from the Golden Bear Club, Hideki Matsuyama? How does he look this year? Well, uh, you know, Hideki is kind of a sexy pick uh, because you know he won in Phoenix. He played well at Augusta. You know, he uh, played well last week, if I'm not mistaken, or the week before. Yeah, he shot. He was and, an 11th uh, last week. And he, yeah, and Hideki, as you know, has is, is shown up in some big tournaments uh, ever since he, he played the Masters when he was, what, 17 years old and he made the cut after having won the Asian Amateur. So, uh, you know, he, he that's a good pick right there. Now, Hideki's played this before. He was here last year. But of the guys that are in their first tournament, I think what you really have to look at is Emiliano Grillo. He's a 23-year-old kid from mm-hmm. Argentina. He won the Web.com Tour Championship on the other course at the TPC Sawgrass, uh, Dodge Valley, last October. 
in the junior players in 2010. This is kind of a neat trivia question. Four of those kids who were in the top ten of that tournament are in the field this week. Grillo, Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger, and Patrick Rogers. So Grillo's got, and he said he's got some good vibes. I mean, he's done well at both courses, albeit one of those times when he was a junior. Uh, but he kind of knows the wind a little bit, and uh, he, you know he knows the atmosphere. So I think I got to look at him. And I did a poll of the first-time winners. It's interesting you asked that. I did a poll of the 25, not the first-time winners, but the 25 first-time guys and their first players. And the majority of the, or the, uh, the winner was Patton Kazire, last year's Web.com Tour Championship uh, Player of the Year. And he started out pretty well last fall and then faded off of it. But now he's had three or four good finishes. And uh, a lot of people are looking, if you're looking dark horses, they're looking Grillo. Patton Gazire, Hideki, as you said, uh, I'd say that there's a very strong consensus right now for Justin Rose as a winner if you talk to a lot of the guys in the media center. Yeah, and Grillo's won already this year. He Didn't he win his first yes. tournament of the year? He, he, he won the Web.com Tour Championship. He'd already got his PGA Tour card, but the, the first tournament, the Prize.com Open, since they got this combined schedule fall and then into the, into the winter, uh, he won that tournament. Uh, so... Uh, and Smiley Kaufman, who's a first-time player championship player, he won the next tournament. You know, the, Peter Malnati was another one. This is his first players. He won last fall. There are a lot of guys who won last fall as tour rookies to get into this tournament. Uh, so they're not necessarily afraid of much. You know, they've 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 already won. It might not have been the biggest tournament in the world, but but they won on the PGA Tour, and, and that counts for something. Who do you think? Um is hungriest for this tournament right now at this stage of the season, Gary, and also, you know, leading into uh, the second major being the U.S. Open at Oakmont. You're going to be surprised about this, but one guy is Jordan Spieth. He, he was in the media center today. Uh, of course, you know, there were, there were a bunch of uh, amateur psychologists uh, in the media, in the, among the media who were trying to figure out you know, just, okay, how suicidal are you right now after the, the Masters? And he sounded confident. He, he talked confident. You know, he said he's making some swing tweaks because he realized there was some flaws going on at Augusta uh, that, you know, you can't really, and, and, and you guys know, it, it's very, very hard to correct a small swing fall during the course of a tournament. You guys just can't make that kind of mid-course uh, correction, and you just hope to kind of uh, putt and chip your way out of it. But he's confident and what he's seen on the range, and uh, he sounded like a guy who has forgotten it. We don't know until he gets out there in the heat of things. Now or at the U.S. Open, uh, you know, Johnny Miller was all but predicting that in a teleconference last week that, you know, if Jordan's in contention in this tournament and he comes to the 17th hole on Sunday, his mind is immediately going to go back to the 12th hole at Augusta on Sunday. And, you know, whether he does or not, we're just not going to be able to find out. But I, I think I think Jordan Spieth is very, very hungry for this tournament. I think Jason Day wants to add this tournament to his resume. And uh, he hasn't always gotten along with the stadium course. Uh, but his short game has improved just by leaps and bounds. And I think he's eager to, to take that out there. Uh, Roy McIlroy missed the cut his first three years here. And he's had three top eights or better since then. And he's come to love Pete Dye courses. He won one of his PGA championships on a Pete Dye course, and he's played well here. Uh, Rory is the European who likes to hit it high and dislikes the wind forcing him to, to, to play 
low running shots. Now, he does have an open championship to his credit and everything, but surprisingly, Rory is not he's not enamored with uh, wind in a sense of forcing him to play the, play the game on the ground. He likes having to hit the high second shots that you have to hit here. And uh, so, and obviously, Ricky is motivated, but nobody's ever defended this championship in the 43-year history of it. So, uh, which is kind of a, uh, just goes to show you, and the short answer to that is what Davis Love told me. He said, he said, really tough course and really good players. That's why nobody's repeated. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, we know that um, it, it tests all, uh, all different types, both uh, physical games and, and mental games. But certainly uh, it's, what we yeah. saw last year was, I think, um, one, one, one for the ages, as Jim Nance would say, in terms of Ricky Fowler's performance. Who's, uh, who's your pick, Gary, on Sunday to uh, take home the, the Players' Championship? Well, the easy, the easy pick, but I honestly believe he's gonna he's gonna play well. He picked the world's number one player, Jason Day. Uh, I think that uh, he's got all the shots from 100 yards in, which is what you're gonna need. Uh, you know, 125 yards is it's what won for Ricky last year, and I think uh, you know Jason's got to be. There's only been two two time winners so far in the tour. That's Jason and Adam Scott. And you can never count Adam Scott out here because he won when he was 23 years old. He hasn't won since. But he he likes his course, and, and Australians, if you search back your memory banks, Australians have always played the tournament well. Greg Norman set the scoring record. Steve Alkington won twice. Uh, Mark Leishman, I think, has played well a time or two. So, uh, uh, and the wind and and some of the courses are roughly approximate what they get in Australia when they're growing up. If you ask me about uh, a real a real dark horse out here. Uh, I would have to, as we, we talked about Emiliano Grillo, but if you're talking about a guy who's already got some experience, and this might even be a dark horse, Kevin Na. Kevin Na has played this course very well. He had a bad Sunday a couple of years ago when he was in contention. He he played he 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 had a nice little rally last year. Uh, had a putt on 17 that just barely stayed out, and I think if he'd have made that, it, it, it he at least might have been in the playoff, and. Uh, Kevin has the shots on this course, and he's told me a couple of times that he really loves it, loves coming back here, likes all the the ways that this game tests this course tests your game, and uh, so I'm looking I'm looking for a good tournament for Kevin now. Top top ten on the uh, FedEx Cup, so uh, he he is definitely one to one to watch, and one you want to follow is Gary Smith. There's nobody that knows the Players' Championship, or the TPC Sawgrass better. Gary, how can they follow you online this week and weekend? It's real easy. Jacksonville.com. Jacksonville.com. The one, yep. the only. Golf scribe Gary Smith for the Times Union, our very own, up in Jacksonville. Thanks, Gary. I know you're busy as heck, and we appreciate it. No problem. Enjoy being on with you guys. See you. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so to me. I got good eyes, I'll be all right. We're back. The Golf Insiders. 
wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and Will Perry. You know, it's that time of year. It's May when everything heats up on the collegiate scene. The NCAA Women's and Men's Championships are right around the corner and nobody covers college golf better than Golf Week and the best in the business when it comes to college golf reporting, Lance Ringler. We're going to check in with him to uh, fill us in on how things are shaping up. Hey, Lance. Hey, Holly. How you doing? Awesome, my friend. Uh, good, good. So uh, let's start with the women because I know there was a, a, a little bit of uh, – an issue going on with the BYU women's team in terms of the scheduling. Do you want to bring us up to speed? Yeah, basically uh, BYU and the NCAA have an agreement uh, in their bylaws. The NCAA has in their bylaws that if BYU is, is to make a national championship and competition is to, to be played on a Sunday, then the NCAA has to accommodate that because BYU uh, is not allowed to compete on Sundays. So that used to not be a problem in college golf because they used to not have Sunday as part of the equation. However, uh, since television is now part of the format and the tournament lasts six days, it's actually six days of competition, four days of stroke play, and then two days of match play, uh, the Sunday is right smack dab in the middle of it. So the NCAA had to come up with a format that, that worked. And the best one that they could come up with would be to allow BYU to play Thursday afternoon after the practice round. So actually what will happen as soon as the practice round is completed, uh, 30 minutes later, the BYU team will go out and play in singles with a, with a rules official as a marker and a scorer and will play in basically five singles. And they will be playing uh, on Thursday afternoon – they will be playing the Sunday to the third round hole locations. So if you follow me, this is kind of like a Abbott and Costello who's on first. They will be playing um, their first round, which is actually going to be the third round because they're going to be playing to the Sunday hole locations. And then they will play then with everybody on Friday, the actual first round, and Saturday. And they will take Sunday off while everybody else plays because they will have already played their first round, and if they happen to finish in the top 15, they would make the cut and then play on Monday, and then the top eight teams after that then would play match play. So, so BYU is, is ranked number 20th in the field out of 24, so it's not likely that they would make it all the way to the final eight, but they, they could make the, the first cut, and if they do, that uh, brings all the questions in. I mean, they could it could be advantageous to them because the weather could be good or it could be a disadvantage because the weather conditions could be drastically different and bad. So it's kind of a crazy situation. Yeah, that sounds uh, very abnormal. So they're playing Friday, they're playing Saturday, and then their third round score is from oh, Thursday. Correct. They're, yes, the Thursday afternoon is actually they're they're playing they're playing the third round on Thursday afternoon. I mean, I've played I've played competitive golf, and I mean, when you're teeing off with someone else, you know, when they have. Uh, you know, yeah. hooked one in the woods, and you're helping them with their, um, um, you know, well, it yeah. went into the water over oh. here or whatever. They're not having any of that. So what, is, what no. an advantage to them that they're only playing their ball with a marker and they don't have the pressures or the stresses of 
somebody else playing slow or somebody else playing fast or three balls on the green or any of that. So yeah, how is that fair to the rest of the field? Well, that's the thing. There's definitely some – and I agree with everything you just said. There's also maybe a little bit extra pressure because all the teams and players from the other teams are allowed to go out and watch so they can see how these holes will play with Sunday with the third-round hole location. So there could be some added pressure as well that, that they maybe they wouldn't normally have because they're by themselves. However, like you said, all those things you just brought up are also part of it. So, I mean, yeah, it, like I said in my column today on golfweek.com, I said this definitely can can play a role in the integrity of the championship. Right. Uh, if BYU would happen to, to make the first cut because they got better weather or, or didn't rain or something than the other teams, I mean, so, there's no doubt. And a lot of people are very – very upset about it, right? But here we go. I mean, it's it's a there's nothing they can do about it because it's it's actually a rule, an agreement, so to speak, that the NCAA and BYU have. If because BYU is a member institution, the NCAA has written into their bylaws that they have to accommodate them. Well, as many may remember from last year's NCAA Men's Championship, LSU won, and the individual champion was a guy named Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, so, I'm sorry, from SMU, who claimed the individual title at uh, the concession right here in Bradenton. Obviously, we know how Bryson has burst onto the scene in the first few weeks of his professional career. Who should we be keeping our eyes on this year, Lance, in terms of players when it comes to the men's championship? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some really good ones. Uh, this is a pretty good class. I mean, obviously, you start with last year's player of the year, Maverick McNeely who has indicated he may not even turn pro. He may stay amateur because of his, you know, he's a, uh, he goes to school at Stanford, very academic-oriented kid, and uh, also the number one ranked player in the country and last year's player of the year. So he's definitely one to watch out for. But the one that's uh, really, really, the two other players that are really high potential when it comes to the next level is Bo Hostler, which everyone's kind of familiar with him, what he did as a 16-year-old in the U.S. Open at Olympic Club. And, um John Rahm, who played, if you remember him, at uh, Waste Management Open last year at, at in Phoenix. Uh, he plays at Arizona State. So John Rahm and um, Bo Hossler are two big names. If Bo Hossler decides to turn pro, John Rahm is a senior and will be turning pro. So there's 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 a couple can't-miss kids there. Another really good kid, Aaron Wise out of Oregon, just won uh, medals honors at Canadian Q School. So he's a kid that's going to – get out there soon as well so it's, it's just like you know there's so many young kids now you know look at jordan jordan speed and justin thomas and ricky fowler all these kids aren't that far removed from college and uh there's a whole nother drop they're just going to keep coming the team and individual medals titles will be decided may 27th through june 1st at eugene country club in eugene oregon uh in you know great part of the country uh, as we got to see last year too for the u.s open what should we expect to see from uh, this golf course and how it will test the collegiate best collegiate players in the country? Well, I guess we lost Lance. I'm going to say it might be a little wet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the weather is going to be like out in Eugene, but it certainly will be uh, a very different test than it was down at the concession in Bradenton last year. Yeah, I don't know what kind of weather they get out there in the month of May. I mean, here it's beautiful. Why would they ever want to leave Florida? Um, well, you know, they, they move it around the country, and it's a good thing because it tests those players, uh, and, and many of them, as we know, already ready to, uh, to, to be uh, on, on the tour. So mm-hmm. as, we're, uh, 
as we're wrapping things up, I, I think, too, both uh, Florida and Florida State are mm-hmm. um, our, our very own uh, home home universities are in, in the hunt for this year's championship as well. So we wish them lots of luck. And as we turn back to the Players' Championship, Kevin, some uh, final thoughts. Well, I'm actually, uh, you know, I can, uh, you know, in my playing career and uh, teaching career and everything, I can always remember Sunday at the Players. You know, you can remember Paul Guidos and Sergio Garcia coming down the stretch. You can come, you can remember Adam Scott and Tiger and all these different plays. So I'm really looking forward to another great day this week. Another great Sunday this weekend. All right, and there's nothing better, as we know, watching right there on the Island Green. We're going to go around real quick as we wrap it up. Will Perry, who's your pick? I've got this week, I think Jordan Spieth is going to uh, amend himself from a couple weeks back at the Masters. I'm taking my man Hideki. I think that his uh, 11th place finish last week is just the beginning of what he has left uh, for this week. So, Hideki. I'm going with Jason Day. My second pick. Second pick. What, we get second picks? Billy Horschel, the, lo- the hometown boy. And then my heartthrob pick, because you always know there is one for me. It's Sergio. I know Sergio <laughs> Garcia is finally going to win again. Yeah, I'll take Jason Day as my second pick then. All right, the Golf Insiders, we're out of here. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.